This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Chris and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a little bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. And then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hi, I'm Louise and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks Louise. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model, and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer from cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you are at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. 
This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9, and we're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share her experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Would our guest like to introduce herself and give us a quick sketch of you know, who you are, your approximate age, how long you've been sober, sure. your occupation, just whatever sure. fits for you. Hi, I'm Louise. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I am 40. Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> and I am, uh, I'll be coming up to three years sober in, in a few months, God willing. Um, I've been in the program um, since I was 29. So I've been in and out of the rooms a little bit since I, uh, for 10 years. Um, I am currently employed as a uh, project manager um, and, uh, yeah, a really grateful member um, of Alcoholics Anonymous. And have you got family in in town? Yes, look, I have a very small family, um, you know, and and this is a big part of my story. both uh, both my mother and my father have passed. Um, um, my mother passed when I was 16 um, and um, from a very fairly serious um, motor vehicle accident of which I was involved in. Um, and so it was just me and my dad. Um, I'm the youngest of three. My, my, my brother is 12 years older than me. My, sister's, my sister was 11 years older than me. Um, and so I was very much the baby of the family, um, grew up in an adult's world around, um, drinking, uh, parties, whether they were neighborhood parties, um, you know, we were a very, uh, ambitious driven family that was involved in a lot of community activities. And so, uh, work hard, play hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as I say, I was very much a part of that adult world and drinking was all around me. Um, and my family, um, you know, being, being the youngest, um, uh, yeah, whilst, you know, sometimes I felt like I was the child, uh, an only child, um, and, and so spent a lot of that time almost in isolation um and and mum I know was tired she'd had me at a late age and so I think I got a lot I got away with a lot of stuff and and was as was reminded of that a lot mm. uh about how much I got away with and and the coin you know to coin the phrase my dad was I never got enough smacked asses um <laughs> and um so yeah um look and as i say um my my brother is is still around and we and we have a, a good relationship um but unfortunately my sister passed away from um cancer at the age of 46 um 5 years ago and so I have um, in my care, um, and not so much in my care as in they are young adults now, but my niece and nephew who I'm very, very close to. 
So it's been a real rocky, rocky road, rocky journey. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and so what, what age do you think you were when you started drinking and tell, tell me how it progressed? Yeah, look, as I said, I, I, with alcohol all around me, I was quite anti it. Um, and I was very, I didn't like it when mum and dad drank. Um, I hated dad would, mum would write dad a cheque for $20 and on a Friday, and he would take that down to the, the Moikingman's Club. And then mum would have her, she'd go and get her bottle of vodka, and they would spend their time separately, but then come back together. And that would either be, um, they would end in arguments, or, or just, I just didn't like the way they acted. Um, and so I was quite adverse to alcohol and, um, until I hit the age of sort of 18. Um, by that stage I'd lost my mother, um, you know, I'd recovered from two broken legs, um, and I hadn't been offered any form of grief counselling, um, and I really got on the bandwagon with, with my friends of binge drinking. Uh, and I was, uh, you know, every weekend was out till, uh, the sun came up, um, and then, and that was that was pretty much it. Um, I do find drugs are part of you know certainly part of my story, um, and I almost put down the drink for for several years. And I and I picked up um, a lot of pot and smoked a lot of marijuana. Um, so much so I would go to work stoned, and I had a fairly high powered job where I was managing people, but I managed to just function. I do not know how. Um, and then in my mid-twenties, I found that I sort of grew out of that, and that's when I picked up the alcohol. And it was binge drinking um, from a, you know, from a Thursday to a Sunday afternoon. Um, and it was with people, and it was out, um, and that also included, um, you know, a lot of party drugs, legal, not legal, Um and then I found probably in the last sort of three years of my 20s, sort of 27, 28, 29 is when it changed. So can you describe how it changed, what happened? So what I found is that people were saying to me um, two things, either we love it, you're a great good time girl, um, or can you not get so smashed tonight? Um, and I would be drinking in blackout um, unless I had some some aid to help me um, not get so drunk. Um, and I lived in Auckland, and so that was very accessible. Um, but then I also found that I wanted to actually just go home so I could drink in peace, um, and so I could drink. And my thing was I would I would drink, I would have my music, um, you know, I'd have it on headphones so that my neighbours wouldn't complain. Um, I'd sit outside, I'd have two packets of cigarettes, um, you know, my, my heart. So we start with half a dozen beer just to, to ease myself into it. But then I'd have my two bottles of wine and I would find that actually the anxiety that would come when I was at that second, halfway through that second bottle, I'd walk to the dairy at the end of the street and buy the cheapest, nastiest bottle of which I would then pass out. Mm. And, and that was very much, I tried the whole only drinking on weekends, no drinking from Sunday to Thursday. Um, 
and that and, and and for a while that worked and I and but I would find that Friday Saturday I just hit it so hard I'd spend the entire weekend um, in bed and I'd wake up and reach for the bottle that I hadn't quite finished because I'd passed out um, or I would just go through the motions and I remember you know so clearly giving up giving up. Like I was like, I remember locking the door of my flat, going to work, you know, once again with the sweats and a hangover and knowing I'm going to have to run out of a meeting room to vomit um, and, and locking my door and thinking, well, this is just it. This is how life is. And 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 it almost accepted. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, giving up, giving up. Mm. Yeah, yes. So how did you find your way to your first AA meeting and what was it like? What, what happened? So, as, you know, as well as trying to do all the things that um, is suggested and we talk about in the AA Big Book and you hear when you come to meetings around trying all the different things, self-help books, um, I had sought uh, help from a counsellor. Um, and she was amazing, and she was the one who um, I always knew about AA. Um, I always knew about treatment centres, um, but I'd never had any experience, and she was the one who suggested to me that there were a couple of programmes. And so one of the programmes I first tried was a controlled drinking programme. Well, that we <laughs> worked fabulously. Um, and then um, I, so we decided sort of, okay, actually maybe that's, that's you know, abstinence is what I need. Um, and so I um, enrolled myself in an outpatient um, program. Um, but just before I was due to go into that, I had a series of events I consider fortunate now. And this is what really brought me into into recovery, um, I was pulled up and um, uh, done DIC, um, and it was right during the Rugby World Cup 2011, so they were everywhere. Um, and I had, I, in fact, it was from the night before that I had, but it was so bad. My friends wrote me a letter. I had three friends come together, write me a letter, say, we're not going to stand by and watch you do this anymore. Of course, my automatic response was, but I didn't even get drunk last night. Um, and then the third thing that happened that really got me into, um, into well, that, that stopped me drinking whilst I waited for my program to start was I fell off my bike whilst drunk because uh, I had no licence um, and um, smashed up my face and spent a week in intensive care intubated. And, and that was my... Um, that was my rock bottom um, to get me into recovery. Um, so I started the program, which was a requirement, which was to go to 12-step meetings. Um, I cried through my first meeting. Um, I sat in a room of, um, I think, maybe 15 to 20 middle-aged men um, and um, just sobbed, but related to everything they had to say. I, I got into uh, this this outpatient program um, and slowly, as I exited the program, picked up um, AA as a regular basis and that included getting a sponsor 
which was hard to do, which was, um, you know, there's a, there's that fear of rejection. Um, and, and eventually once I did it um, and we started to go through the steps um, and then I found myself, you know, on that cloud, pink cloud we talk about. What have you done since then to ensure your sobriety? Yeah, so look, I, I haven't maintained um, my sobriety since I first came in. I, I had, you know, a first stint of about three years, um, and then I had a relationship breakup, and, um, but by that time I had become complacent. You know, I'd dropped out of meetings, I'd stopped calling my sponsor, I'd stopped reading, writing, praying, um, and... Uh, you know, I thank God that they say the door swings both ways. Um, I was straight back in there. Um, and, um, you know, over the last probably uh, so seven years, I have struggled um, with maintaining a period of sobriety because I have let life on life's terms get in the way. I've let um, cancer and death, and, uh, you know, codependent relationships come before my recovery. And one of the things we say is your recovery must come before anything else. And I, I quit home groups, I fired sponsors, and I stopped going to meetings. And sure enough, within a matter of sometimes weeks, sometimes months, I would pick up. Yeah, um, and the only saving grace is that it was exactly the same. Not once was I able to control it. I remember I I was at a work trip in a hotel in Auckland, and I'd run out of. Uh, I picked up, and um, I remember running barefoot up Queen Street trying to find a, a a bottle store open. You know, I'm like, that is not what a, a 37 year old professional does. <laughs> Um, you know, so I'm so grateful that I've been able to come back into the rooms um, and 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 be welcomed back, and you know, and the fear of being judged, um, you know, is something I I I we haven't we don't have to worry about. Mm. Um, and you know, it's it's um, the lessons I've learned is that I must put my recovery before everything else. Yes. yes. Yep. So how do you feel within yourself today? You know, your inner changes, do you feel that your self-esteem and confidence have improved, all that sort of thing? My life is not, it's, you know, it's, it's, I won't say 100%, but it's 99% better. The things don't happen that used to happen. I can answer the phone without fear of an unknown number being a debt collector. I pay my bills you know, I live a rigorously honest life to the best of my ability. We are not saints, mm. but, you know, we do, I do these things um, that old me wouldn't have done, you know, um, and it's not perfect. We do deal with life on life's terms, and I I have seek, you know, I seek outside help um, to complement my, my recovery, um, but what I know that works for me is, is is having a home group, having a service position, one where you have to turn up. Being a key holder is the best thing that ever happened for me, opening a meeting. 
Um, you know, every morning I do my reading, I do my writing, um, and, you know, usually that consists of some form of gratitude. Um, sometimes I have to fake it until I make it. Um, but I think the biggest thing has been, um, and, and, and this has been in the last probably year and half a year, is to take some action. And, and that is to get to meetings, be of service, and, you know, one of my goals for the future now is to be a sponsor and to have sponsees. And, and you know, because I, I hear that that's where the magic happens. Yes, that's true. So AA is described as a spiritual program. What does that mean to you? What yeah. is yeah, look, I, I was, um, our family always had a, we had a family, we were, you know, brought up in a um, uh, a religious, uh, semi-religious household where um, we were all christened, uh, we would dabble with church on a Sunday, dad didn't like it, mum felt almost a sense of duty because she, she liked to use the church for, for weddings and funerals. <laughs> Um, but that was as far as it went. Um, when I came into AA, I had to work really hard, and this is some of the work I've probably done in the last six months around when I start, you know, restarted the steps, um, is is what are all the things that uh, I need that tangible proof that there is a higher power working in my life. Um, and so um, I've got absolutely pages of examples you know but I had to sit and write them down and anytime there's a tiny little thing I go I've got to believe now whether that's a god who sits up on a cloud with a stick in a long bed or <laughs> a group of drunks or or just something that is greater than me um, because I should be dead you know I should have um you know, the amount of times that I would put myself into precarious situations, I would drive drunk, I wouldn't know how I got home. And and so, you know, and I do believe in, you know, a higher power, a higher self. And, you know, I believe I've got, you know, I've got, I've got some, some angels in heaven that are looking over me. And so... What would you suggest for any listeners that think they might have a problem with drinking? What advice would you give them? I think the thing you've got to ask yourself is if you're asking yourself that you've got a problem, then there's probably something there. And I think if, um, you know, you've got to think about is it having an impact to your, 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 your well-being um, mentally, emotionally, you know, um, and, and the big book describes it beautifully. You know, I walk up to a bar, um, and I can't, I won't, can't remember it verbatim, but you know, take a drink and try and stop. And for me, and everybody's different, but for me, that is how I was able to go. I can't. Mm. I want more. And um, you know, it's. Talk to you know, talk to people, and and I was grateful that I had a counsellor that had some knowledge, um, and and that was and that was something that worked for me. Um, but 
there's so many resources. There's so many resources. Read. Um, and one of the things that really worked as well as reading the AA literature is actually reading books about people, biographies or autobiographies about people that have been in the same situation. And it's like going to a meeting, yeah. listening for the similarities. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, well, look, thanks very much, Louise, for coming on the show and sharing your story you. with us. And so... Thank you so much yeah. for having me. No, Thank you. For our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experience our show is every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. This brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We'll now close the show with the serenity prayers we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.